Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield College in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast will share these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy these stories. Hi, my name is Rich Schmidt. I'm here at Atticus Wine with Semina Orego, uh, Orego <laughs> and Guy Inslee. Uh, it's December 6, 2019. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll start with the most important question of all, which is why wine? Let's start. Oh, why wine? Um, well, I grew up in, in France. Uh, I moved to France when I was about four years old and lived in Paris with my parents and my sister. And um, obviously, wine is a big part of the French experience. And I, I distinctly remember uh, being, um, uh, being given you know, watered-down wine at an early age at Sunday lunchtime as part of the growing up experience as a, as a young Frenchman. Um, and my dad was, was big into Bordeaux wines, and he, we would go down and visit, uh, uh, I remember two or three trips down to, to Bordeaux area from Paris, uh, visiting the French chateaus, and he would always get a box of, um, uh, what, what, a cubitana, a cubilita, I can't what it's called, but it's about a 40 liter plastic box, which was a very weird experience, I mean, looking back now. But, what that would be would be a, a decent quality chateau. I mean, there wasn't a Premier Grand Cru or anything, but it was like it was like a, a good quality Bordeaux wine, and they would ship him forty liters of wine uh, to our house in 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 France, in Paris, and he and his buddy on a Saturday afternoon would go downstairs to the cellar and bottle forty liters worth of wine. Um, remarkably, a couple of bottles will probably get consumed on the way up on the way through the process, and they would come up come up very happy. But, um, <laughs> They would just, uh, you know, that passion for the wine industry and the whole sort of experience and what have you um, was, was uh, motivating for me mm-hmm. from that perspective. And then when I went to, um, when I went to university in Scotland, the, the option that I had as, as part of my uh, economics and French course was to go teach English kids, sorry, teach French kids English. Mm-hmm. And I asked um, for a southern... Uh, French city, as opposed that was my choice. It was north or south. So I was going, well, I've, I know the north. I lived in Paris for a while. Let's go south. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a town called Libourne. And Libourne is uh, just a few miles uh, between uh, Bordeaux and, and Saint-Emilion. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the large town next to Saint-Emilion, effectively, uh, about the same size as, as Mac. And um, it, it has all the children of the wine industry go there. And so as an English assistant, we got to know, there were two or three English assistants in other languages as well, but a pretty big uh, school, and we got to know all the, um, the parents of the kids, right, from all aspects of the wine industry. And this is what really triggered me in terms of being fascinated by the whole thing. So we got to know the, the kids of the, of the growers, uh, mm-hmm. the kids of the, the co-op owners, the kids of the negotiants, the kids of the... Uh, you know the the bigger places like the Moexes and the what have you. So it's people who had you know more, uh, who own more uh, vertically of the place. But you know generically there you own uh, a vineyard full stop, and you you give your grapes and then it happens in the co-op. And that, there's so many layers of what you do. And and one of one of one thing I took away was my um, thesis for my finals was the marketing and setting of the wines in Great Britain. And that was really where you know the business side met the wine side. So you, you, get, you went from understanding how, how that grower and what his economics or her economics look like mm-hmm. and then what the, you know, what the co-ops look like and what the negotiant and what the exporter and what the importer and then the wholesaler and then the retailer and then, you know, Joe Blow back me <laughs> back in London years. buying the wine <laughs> for £30 or wherever it is or £20 mm-hmm. and you imagine how many cuts happen in the way and you understand why the, the, the chateau owner in Saint-Emilion, who owns a, you know, a, a, a couple of acres of, of, of land in Saint-Emilion, is a subsistence farmer, effectively, because they're not getting a lot of money for that. And that was just fascinating for me, that whole aspect of things and how they still loved it. And it was about passion and about how wine wasn't, you know, to make money. It was really, you know, about loving the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really interesting to see all that. Um, and a couple of my um, co-assistants got into the business and 
uh, you know, they, they still are, so they, they work in various aspects of the wine business, but um, I went back and, and finished my studies and, and got into um, a different, different part of the business, but that brought me eventually to, um, uh, to the US, and uh, we met um, in the early 2000s and, and married in 2002, and, and um, it was uh, that conversation which we had around what we're going to do for the rest of our lives, mm -hmm. um, and it was, it was initially, well, I'd like to retire to a vineyard. That's my, you know, always been my passion, and I would really like to do that. That make there's a, there's a comfort feeling about what would make my heart happy to do that, and that was, um, and Samantha's answer was, "Why are we waiting?" And I'm going like, I know I've good answer for that one. So we started looking around, and um, and we had been um, to Portugal on a honeymoon. Uh, we. Uh, you know, obviously knew uh, the, the, the various areas of France pretty well um, and you know we'd been to California, we had um, uh, went to New Zealand on a, on a holiday slash you know, fact-finding trip and that was quickly jinxed because of the parents deciding that was way too far away to go to. Um, but we did look at it in terms of you know, how, how it would, moving there, buying land, all this sort of stuff, but that was, that was put in the back burner. And then we found out about Oregon because we tried. We tried our first Oregon Pinot Noir in Florida in the spring of 2004. And so, you know, we were just really intrigued. The Willamette Valley had never been on our radar. And we came here on vacation during harvest, October of 2004. And um, Guy had set aside some time <coughs> to spend with a vineyard realtor, mm -hmm. you know, really focused on a small property, four or five acres that we could have on the side and really, you know, come in the summer or during breaks. Um, but that one day turned into like three, four days. And every day Guy would ask, so what else do you have? And what else do you have? And so we ended up walking this property, which was beyond completely what we had looked for. And, um, you know, throughout those days, of course, we ended up tasting more wine and eating all the beautiful food and just really being enamored with the area. And so when we walked this property, we came back with our six-month-old in his little backpack without, um, without the realtor, and we were like, okay, so can we do this? Mm -hmm. And we're like, okay, well, if we completely change our way of life, this is, this is gonna be our journey. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we decided, just right here, there was nothing. And that was also the appeal, if we we're gonna do this, it has to be completely our way, because we had seen properties that already had vineyard planted, that had a home on it. This was just a clover field, 50 acres of clover. And, um, and yeah, and so by the end of our trip, we placed a bid on the property and went back home and everyone thought we were crazy. <laughs> and, but then the bid was accepted. And so that was in 2004 and we started planting the vineyard the winter of 2005, 2006. And then we moved here permanently in 2007 in the spring, in February of 2007. Mm. And our daughter at that point had been born. She was three weeks old when we moved. So it was really crazy. We were just really, just, <laughs> we, we were did, just we infatuated with the place. Of, um, so uh, Samantha's uh, parents lived a mile and a half close. down the road yeah. from, from our little house in, in, yeah. in Florida. Yeah. And, uh, and so we moved here, yeah, with a, with a three week old and a three year old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> With no, yeah. No so we decided for the really tough, challenging yeah. road, but no regrets. You know, it's just like because it is. It's and a never, journey. Never a minute of regret. Yeah, really. it's just it's, really. It's, despite it's, there's been, you know, there's been a lot of hard work yeah. and a lot of missed opportunities because yeah. you, you know you're putting you're, you're putting your time, effort, and money into one thing here. Yeah. Um, and uh, you're you're giving up a whole pile of other stuff, and that's mm -hmm. fine. You know, at the end of the day, yeah. that's been our choice. Yeah. So, Tell me a little bit about what you were doing before, before 2002, before you, or 2000 when you were so I, So we met actually, um, we were working for the same company. We met through common friends. Mm -hmm. So I was in the telecom industry. I used to work for Nortel Networks. And at that point in time, I was on the operations side. And um, yeah, and so 
this was just completely something, you know, so different. You know, really didn't know anything about farming. Guy and I both lived in different places throughout our childhood, but always big cities. And um, so, but this was the opportunity to be like in such a gorgeous rural setting and have such a different way of life. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so, you know, and then when we moved here, um, I was still in the corporate world. And um, we, I took a sabbatical of about 18 months and I worked as a harvest intern um, for, for a winery mm -hmm. for Scott Scholl, mm -hmm. Raptor Ridge, mm -hmm. in 2007 and in 2008. I was his first cellar rat in the spring of 2008. And I clearly remember, you know, our nanny bringing my daughter into the winery during harvest. Um, and she was, she was just a wee baby. <laughs> um, but you know, he, he became in many ways, I mean, he's been our, our, our mentor from a winemaking perspective. You know, he, you know, he's been crucial mm -hmm. to our journey. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. mm -hmm. so, but yeah, it was a big switch to move from wearing suits to wearing, you know, what harvest interns wear. <laughs> and just being wet all the time because that was a really tough vintage. You know, 2007, it was cold and wet all the time. So. But one, of, one of the things that's, that's uh, strikes, has struck him? Struck? What's the past tense? Um, has, stricken. Uh, stricken. Anyway, us. You're the British one. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that, you know, we both uh, moved a lot with our families and with our jobs um, before we moved to the States. So, you know, I was um, uh, born in Hong Kong, lived in Argentina, moved to Paris, moved to London, went up to study in Scotland, back to France for, for this, mm -hmm. back to the UK, back to France for national service, and then, you know, um, uh, and then started working in London, then moved to, to, to Miami in the late 90s. And Semena, similarly with her family, um, you know, born in Peru, but time in Venezuela, Panama, um, Canada, Guatemala. missing one, Guatemala. Um, uh, so a lot of moving before mm -hmm. we, we, we came to Miami and then um, uh, but now we've been here uh, 12 years um, and yeah, almost 13. Um, 15 years since we bought the property and um, it is the longest we've been anywhere in, in, a, in a specific <laughs> yeah. country because we've been in the, in the US for 20 plus yeah. years right yeah. so um, and the longest we've lived in any individual house, mm -hmm. and we have no intention of moving. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like we've, you know, the, 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 uh, the cliche we've, we've put down roots is, is very true mm -hmm. because, you know, we really feel that and the kids feel that and, mm -hmm. you know, they feel very, very much at home here, obviously mm -hmm. being, uh, you know, Oregon, Oregonians barring a few weeks of their life. So. <laughs> and, and literal roots as well. Literal right. roots, exactly. Yes. That's right. That's right. It's a bit of a cliche, but uh, uh -huh. So I'm curious, you, you had seen all these wine regions. You'd seen California, mm -hmm. you'd seen France, mm -hmm. you'd seen New Zealand. Why Oregon? What was it about Oregon that made you keep looking and decide so, this was the place? Well, I think one of the things that became very obvious in the beginning was, first of all, it was still a young industry. Mm -hmm and the, the welcoming of people. You know, very early on, we met some of the key people from our Yamhill Carlton AVA, and, you know, they were just so, they were so helpful. Mm -hmm. Everyone wanted to offer their opinion. Everyone wanted to offer their advice. And to a certain degree, it's still the same way today. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm now an active member of our Yamhill Carlton AVA. I'm part of the board and an active member of the marketing community, of the marketing committee. Mm -hmm. In many ways, I feel it's because I want to now contribute mm -hmm. and share mm -hmm. and help advance our AVA, just like we received help, you know, in the early days. And I think that was, that's what was really appealing is, is, is the fact that people were so welcoming and just eager to, you know, embrace a newcomer. Mm -hmm. I mean, to, to be fair, that was, that, a lot of that was, was a pleasant surprise after we made the mad commitment kind of but thing. I think but the, the welcoming was certainly, that, that feeling of that was yeah, certainly there. It was, there's no doubt. Yeah. And, um, the, but the other factors, I think, were, were, the, were around we, we wanted to um, 
you know, to buy land, obviously, and there's, so there's the economics yeah. involved in terms of we want to do getting somewhere. So the the youth of the industry here was appealing mm -hmm. because we thought that the older it was, the tougher it would be to integrate uh, to mm -hmm. some extent. Um, but also just to be able to get you know land here yeah. and actually make it work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but and certainly those you know the the we wanted to be close to somewhere to a large city. Yes, so that, that was, was key as well. Yeah, because some of the places obviously are a long way from anywhere. <laughs> And um, it's, you know, we've been just blown away by what Portland brings mm -hmm. itself in terms of just people and culture and things to do and what have you. And it's, mm. it's you know, the, we knew about the food and the wine, but it's been a real but pleasure I to think, find out more than that, right? But I think key, like, I mean, what underlies it was the fact that we just fell in love with Pinot Noir, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, really, it's just, yeah. I mean, you being traditionally a, more of a Bordeaux drinker, right. you know, yeah. he was very much, you know, Bordeaux blend or Bordeaux's. Yeah. And, um, but it, yeah, it's just after tasting that first Oregon Pinot Noir, and that was like an introduction to then all this beautiful wine that we tasted here on that trip. And we're like, this is, yeah, it's, it's just, it's an opportunity to make this kind of, to make this kind of wine, you know? Because obviously the wines being produced in California and Portugal and New Zealand, very different, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But I think that was an important yeah. piece as well. That's right, that, the people, mm -hmm. the, just the, mm -hmm. the location, the ability to fit in, it all just made sense. And that's why, you know, it felt like a, a rash decision in some ways, but it, it was pretty well prepared. Um, in terms of the background work and what have you. So when we made that switch from, oh, let's buy a small place for retirement to, nah, let's just sell everything and move. <laughs> um, um, it still feels a little crazy, but uh, it was, you know, it, it was, the reason it, it worked was that it was well founded in, in, a, in, a, in a thought process behind that, I guess, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. In addition to the, you mentioned the welcome you got. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your initial impressions of the Oregon wine industry. What 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 was it at the time you moved into it? What what did you feel it was uh, and, and and could be perhaps? Okay. Well, I mean, obviously, it was. I mean, when we came, there was already a solidly established industry, right? Mm -hmm. Still young, but. You know, you know, like for example, my first impression when I went to what used to be called the Oregon Days, the Oregon Wine Days, um, which was the Oregon Symposium, it was so small. You know, my first time that I attended, yes. it was so small. And to see it now, it's just, it's dramatic. <laughs> I mean, but I think that, I mean, there's there's many things that have evolved as well, right? So I think, the quality of the wine is better than ever. Mm -hmm. And I think there's even more opportunity to continue pushing that. Um, but I just think in many ways it was a bit rustic, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. It was more rustic. Now there is there are more formal organizations. There's a level of professionalism maybe that is more interwoven across, yeah. Yeah. Um, which didn't exist before. You know, I remember our first AVA meetings as well. It was just very different. It yeah. was like a group of friends. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right, well, we you all know? fit into Ken's office. Yeah, right? so. <laughs> so it's, a, it's just, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and I mean, obviously the, I think the, the path is still, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's a, there's tremendous, right? tremendous amazing. growth potential, yeah. which is a bit scary as well. Um, but you have to, you have to just, I mean, there's something you just have to embrace and understand mm -hmm. and what have you. And that, as you say, that the rustic aspect of it when we first came here was very appealing because mm -hmm. it was all about a handful of people back, mm -hmm. I mean, back then. I mean, it's 15 years still, ago yeah. and the industry was already 20 yeah. years old. I mean, they're all... Right? So in terms of material size. Um, but you're right, it's, it's the, the it's, it's changed from something where there were several people like us who were sort of coming into the industry as a mom and pop style, sort of buy your own, establish mm -hmm. your own place. Mm -hmm. And now it's much more business orientated in terms mm -hmm. of the businesses that, that buy vineyards and establish wineries here. Mm -hmm. You have to come in, or the ones we see coming in certainly are coming in with, with a, a different business model, yeah. let's put mm -hmm. it that way. Yeah. The other thing is, which I thought we think has been really interesting is how, how stylistically wine has evolved 
um, let, let's take this ABA as an example, right? We have, through the work of, of the ABA committee and, and people working on that, really better understood what works best for this ABA. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think the range of styles that this ABA produced when we first came here, including us at, at the sort of more um, uh, ephemeral, uh, lighter, more elegant end of the spectrum when we first made some of our wines. And there were some other wines in our AVA producing much bigger, bolder wines. Mm -hmm. um, um, and, and people seem to have gravitated towards the center of, of the underlying strength we get from the fruit in this AVA is undeniable um, in terms of the, the um, uh, but you, you, there's also an understanding that we can produce wine that is still elegant and sophisticated and layered and interesting um, and um, and I think people have gravitated towards that that center mm -hmm. um, from both ends of the spectrum mm -hmm. being mm -hmm. you know comparatively simplistic but you know big and bold and in your face more sort of Napa style mm -hmm. um, no disrespect but um, and, and, and more sort of very sort of trying trying to emulate the sort of burgundy style and we've, we've established an Oregon style mm -hmm. if you like mm -hmm. and I think that's been that's been immense and I think that's what's really helped uh, established this AVA and, and generally the the Willamette Valley as being as being a distinct style of, mm -hmm. of Oregon wine, which is which is I know you, people can can recognize and appreciate. Mm -hmm. So you you have the the passion. You, now you have the place. So tell mm -hmm. me about the actual process. Tell me about getting grapes in the ground and 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 making wine and starting the business. So, well, very early on, like I mentioned before, we met Scott Scholl, mm -hmm. and. We, you know, we started talking and, you know, we knew that we were going to be planting and so it was like, okay, so what would it look like for us to start making wine in 2008 or 2009 when our own fruit starts, um, you know, um, producing um, viable, you know, viable grapes for wine. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, why wait? You know, it's like, I can help you get in touch with fruit time. sources. And the reality is at that point in time, there was not enough Oregon wine. I mean, it's just like, it was so in demand. And we were like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, we were like first year. And so, the, yeah. Demand outweighs the supply. So, <laughs> so we, um, so our first vintage was in 2005 and we weren't living here. So Scott was making our wine and we would come every month, month and a half to taste, to work harvest with him, to start building the house. So we were, I mean, we were here all the time, you know, for a period of two years until we permanently came here. Um, but yeah, so we started making wine with purchased grapes yeah. from this AVA and from the Shehalem Mountains AVA. And, um, but, but yeah, so we, so we, we, like I said before, we received a lot of advice from different winemakers um, who, you know, were veterans in the area. There was one who's like, you need to plant everything to pomard clone, you know? And then, but it's just like, mm -hmm. people really, we got a lot of advice. You know, yeah. and, and people with a lot of experience. Mm -hmm. And of course, as with any set of advice, it all differs. Yeah. So you, you have to realize, you realize very quickly that you have to make your own decisions, yeah. right? But Kevin Chambers also, he, he came and walked the yeah. property with us. And it was really actually fun. Just about two months ago, he was here again. And he hadn't been here in all that time. Oh, is that right? But anyway, um, that's an aside. Um, but yeah, so we ended up planting. The first um, portion of the vineyard was just a little bit over four acres. And we planted all um, Pinot Noir. So we strictly, even to this day, just have Pinot Noir planted. We planted Pomard and 667 and 777. And, um, you know, just, you know, our approach was really to surround ourselves by people who knew what they were doing and that we would slowly learn, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I, you know, I went to Chemeketa to study, you know, um, the science of winemaking. I didn't do the full certification, but I mm -hmm. took um, took that, and then Guy took some online courses on viticulture. Um, but very early on, also, we started working with results partners, mm -hmm. and they've been a key partner 
um, even to this day, because yeah. um, <laughs> a cat is playing with the cables. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a new one. <laughs> so, so yeah. So, and then in 2017, we added additional acreage. So we're at close to six acres. Um, we planted some of the same clones, but then added 115. Um, but you know, we've debated a lot. When we first started, we thought we wanted to plant 25 acres of grapes. Yeah, the business plans changed that a was, bit. Yeah, yeah, it completely, completely yeah. changed. It's been really interesting, yeah. actually. Yeah. I mean, hence, hence the, uh, the size of the initial property was, was yes. driven towards yeah. large, larger volumes than we now anticipate making yeah. in our lifetime. Yeah, because originally we thought we'll build a big winery with a tasting room, but that is like so not what our vision is now, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I think, um, again, there's, the wine industry has grown so much, and you know, from the time that we started to now, it's more than doubled mm -hmm. in terms of amount of wineries. Mm -hmm. And so it keeps pushing the envelope, I think, in terms of, you know, you need to excel and find what your niche is and what your offering is to the public, right? How can you differentiate yourself? And I think one of the key things for us has been, because originally we were making our wine down in Carlton, because mm -hmm. um, that that's where Raptor Ridge was, sharing a space with Carlton um, Cellars, mm -hmm. right next to Ken Wright. Mm -hmm. And there was a tasting room there. And so on Saturdays, we would take turns, we would have to go down there. And we had little kids. and. You know, we were tired, and because we both had corporate jobs, because I had gone back to work, and um, and it's like, okay, this this does this is not going to work for us. How can we make it work and still be fun, right? Because this is like our journey, and so we decided to just um, start doing tastings at home, mm -hmm. and then a few years back, we just focused on, okay, we're just going to have an elevated experience in which we just offer private seated tastings, do comparative tastings in which we're offering for wines, current release with libraries. And that has really been sort of the sweet spot um, in terms of, you know, our current volume of production and how we can sell. And so the vision has evolved now to, we're not gonna be producing 5,000 cases. Maybe we'll get to 1,000, 1,500. And we will always do just private, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think the experience is unique. You're coming into our home and you're experiencing, you know, during the summer and fall, you know, the vineyard from which we mm -hmm. make the wine from. Um, because now, since 2010, all of, the, all of the wines we produce just come from our vineyard. Mm -hmm. We moved 100% to Estate. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it has to be, I mean, the, 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 the ability to be, um, to do your best has to be ingrained in what you enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the key, is that as we've, you know, I made the comment earlier about all the mistakes we've made and all the, mm -hmm. sort of the, the sort of trial and error version of, 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 of learning, um, really has come to, you know, we've tried things and we haven't liked them. We've tried other things and we have liked them. And this is really, it's boiled down to doing this kind of, of go-to-market approach really just suits who we are, mm -hmm. what our lifestyle mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. what we can present, um, you know, and it means that, it means that we can be, um, uh, we can be confident in, in continually making the best wine we can possibly make. We, you know, um, it gives us comfort that when we are presenting our, our wine and selling our wine, we don't have to, because we make a small amount of wine, we don't have to cut any corners, we can focus all the time we need to do mm -hmm. on it, we can, mm -hmm. we can make every best effort to make the best possible wine. And that gives us an ability to be able to sell it with, you know, a true passion and a true belief that it's the best we can possibly do. Mm -hmm. And that suits us as people anyway, because we don't, we're not, um, you know, it is a lifestyle choice, by mm -hmm. definition. Yeah. You have to go in, and you have to be, you have to want to do this yeah. and have to enjoy doing it. You know, yeah. some people go like, how can you do this? You know, how can you have two kids and, you know, I still have a day job and, and, and we, 
drive the kids all over the place at being teenagers, so it's like we're constant taxi drivers on top of everything else. Yes. Um, and people are amazed that we do this. And it's why, it's because we really enjoy it. Yeah. You know, that's, that has to be the case. Yeah, well, it's interwoven in our daily life, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the business and our family life are so mm -hmm. integrated. Um, yeah. Tell me about, you mentioned kind of the, the wine style you, you, you had in mind, at least to start with. Tell me about winemaking philosophy. What, what do you want Atticus wines to, what do you want people to get out of Atticus wines? So when we originally um, started, and when we first came, we actually really fell in love initially with the more elegant and ethereal style of Pinot Noir. And you know, that's where philosophy-wise, stylistically, we wanted to go. Um, now we knew the AVA, this AVA, you know, had a slightly different profile to that, you know, more darker fruits, more tannin, but we never really were prepared, I think, for the kind of power that this vineyard produces, because this vineyard is just naturally really intense, concentrated flavors, even like in the cooler vintages, it's no wimp. And so we had to evolve to fully embrace that, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like the evolution was okay. How can we make balance? How can we make a wine that can balance that power from our vineyard, but still be elegant? Mm -hmm. You know. And I think there's been years that for us have been a challenge, and we've, I mean, and we've been learning, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, we've had hot years. I, we've had, you know, the cooler years. And I think that we finally. I feel that, you know, I know our vineyard more now mm -hmm. and what the quality it is that it will produce and you know things like when we first started we were told oh you know there's this like magic formula you know two tons per acre that's what you should be focusing on well you know we learned that like there's no way that we can do this in this vineyard right and so again by surrounding ourselves by people who really knew what they were doing mm -hmm. we've learned mm -hmm. and we've made weeks along the way. Yeah, yeah the um, RP has been a, a real, yeah. you know, a source yeah. of knowledge yeah. and, and first, Scott obviously yeah. as well. But first Luke Pedotti and then Daniel, Daniel yeah. Fay. Yeah. You know, we've been working with him now for a long time. Yeah, the, the, the depth of experience these mm -hmm. guys bring is, is uh, and it goes back to that original point around how people are very willing to offer uh, knowledge uh, and experience mm -hmm. in 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 support of you, and it's not just the people we, we work with contractually. Mm -hmm. It's a bunch of other people who offer just solid yeah. advice, and and it's yeah. uh, it's always very helpful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think I mean you you were asking a little bit about the philosophy, and I think one of the things that is really important is that we're very vintage driven. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's something that I've learned from Scott is. You know, even though I may have my preferences, um, you know, you really just want to let the vintage speak for itself. And so that's really important. Um, one of the things that really appealed to me, I never thought that I was going to end up being the one, you know, having a stronger hand in the winemaking. I always thought it was going to be Guy. But I was the one who became a harvest intern just to learn, and that's when I fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. And more than anything, what I fell in love with was the aromatics of Pinot Noir. You know, mm -hmm. like to me, like 90, 95% of the wine is the aroma, the, the profile that it has on the nose. Like mm -hmm. to me, that just, it wins me over. But Scott and Guy are very texture driven. Mm -hmm. And so that has been, like, that's also super important when we're making our wines is, um, is coming up with that, you know, and I think that's part of that balance that I'm talking to you about mm -hmm. is having that power perhaps mm -hmm. in, the in, in, in the texture and in the mouthfeel, but still having the beautiful, you know, aromatics. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's... But it's been it's been an evolution, right? As we've learned from our vineyard, yeah. No, it's 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 a lot of um, a lot of fun when we can all sit down together. So it doesn't yeah. often happen with yeah. with uh, when we do our blending with, exercises with Scott and with Shannon as well up there at Raptor Ridge. Um, if all four of us sitting down, that's a rare occasion. But 
we do try and, um, as, as Samantha says, I, I don't have as much time on it. Samantha spends all her time on the wine side these days, and so it's much more heavily involved in the whole winemaking process and all the decisions there. But when we do go up and, and, and sit down and taste through the barrels, it's, that's, that's just really interesting yeah. because you do see similarities of themes of, of stylistically, and we are, uh, we have some overlap, but we certainly have some different, you know, mm -hmm. views on, or not views, but sort of different aspects yeah. to what we like and, and mm -hmm. how it works and where it works. Um, I always bring him the candidates for our blends, and, you know, he mm -hmm. provides his opinion. Our daughter as well, she participated this year for the first time, which was awesome. That's awesome. Um, so we all, we all agreed on the one blend, but on the other one, we weren't in agreement, but Guy's like, you're always going to do what you want to do anyway. I was just going anyway. to ask, he so. offers his opinion, but, but, <laughs> yeah. but do you listen to it a bit? So was there a moment along the way when you kind of felt like you, this was that you had this this was going to be a viable business that you this was something you could do for the could see yourself doing was there a moment where you thought I'm a I'm a winemaker or we're, we're winemakers um always and never yeah, yeah I think I mean, so I, right I still, I still feel as though we are infants in this game yeah I, I agree in, 12 years in whichever way you look at it um uh but because there's just so much to learn there's you you never you never, you don't, you never yeah. have a hundred percent knowledge, and I don't, I don't even feel I have fifty percent knowledge. Yeah. It's just that there is so much to learn, and every vintage, as Samantha says, every brings a different, different aspect to it, and yeah. and every every customer brings a different viewpoint and a different um, uh, challenge, if you like, and. Uh, <laughs> <cat> <laughs> Okay. Oh, you have friendly. a visitor. All good. You okay? <laughs> all, go, all good. Um, so, um, but yeah. So in terms of in terms of uh, we do, we I think you agree, right? We we just have so much to learn that we feel we're very much the beginning of the of the journey. But also, you look back and go like, wow, we've learned so much at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you know, it's a bit like um, being parents. You 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 establish some level of understanding, but boy, there's a whole part to learn yeah. because everything's going to change. Mm -hmm. The industry changes, the customers are changing, the you know, the climate's changing. That this the the, the 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 vines are getting older. We've got some new vines coming in. They're going to give us all new challenges all along mm -hmm. the way, and um, you know, science is evolving. And so there's there's always, and that's half the fun of it is that. No wine, no two wines are the same, particularly Pinot, right? Mm -hmm. And even even one bottle can vary between two glasses, right? Just mm -hmm. just because it has a little more air or a little more time or whatever, it ha you know. That's the joy of it, mm -hmm. is that it's constantly evolving. You're never settled on two feet with mm -hmm. being, you know, oh, I'm I'm good here. Um, and if you're thinking that, you're making a mistake, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's for me, that's the joy of it. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, because you were saying, is this a viable business, right? And so, I mean, I think that's such a long road. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that, you know, we, like, we're very happy where we are right now with our level of production. I think it's important for us to sort of keep it at this scale now that our kids are where they are. Um, you know, their age and all of their activities. And who knows, maybe when they're a little bit older, then we will take the next step mm -hmm. and do something bigger. But like I said before, it's never going to be huge, right? So it's been very clear for us that we're never going to make, you know, huge amounts of money from this. Um, but it's, 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 it's sort of like our journey. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, hopefully one of the children will be interested, or maybe both, um, in the future, and they can take it even further if they're interested, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a way of life, and I think that's really important for us. <laughs> the cat is hilarious. I have a cat sleeping on my lap. Just, just, just for the just for the record here, this is this is a first. Had animals. I think I ever had one fall asleep on my lap. This is amazing. <laughs> she likes you. Apparently, I'm in the right chair too. So, tell me about the tell us about the name and the, and the label. You have a, the Atticus Wines. You have the, the, the role of the owls. Tell mm -hmm. me about how you went about choosing a name and a, and, a, and a brand. Yes. So very early on, Guy and I knew that the name of our vineyard, if we ever had a vineyard, would be called Atticus after Atticus Finch. And it was just we were really in love with that character, what he stood for. 
and so that's what we wanted our our vineyard to be called and then early yeah, on it just, it just struck us as being you know as, as Samena says the, the the character uh and everything he, he brings, for. right mm -hmm. stands for thank you mm -hmm. is 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 important but also just the other things fell into place like it's a, it's it's a it's a good it's for, for us we feel it's a good strong clear name mm -hmm. we didn't feel we wanted to do the the family name for some mm -hmm. reason i'm not quite sure we didn't didn't uh, fit us per se and um and it was just uh all those things are just you know once you come across one of these names and you just go like that works and sometimes it's in, in a way it's like sort of choosing a child's name mm -hmm. you sort of go like mm -hmm. you do lots of things and you have lots of ideas and then you go and one comes 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 to mind you go yep and you both go yep that's mm -hmm. the one and it was it was one of those yeah. moments right we just then that's that's and this was yeah. a long time before we ever moved here or yeah. decided to move to, yeah. to Oregon actually. yeah so like I said it's very very early on before we yeah um, but then we had partners before mm -hmm. and she is Greek mm -hmm. and so the owl um, is the symbol of the goddess Athena um, who was the goddess of the area around Attica mm -hmm. which is the area which is now Athens and <laughs> and um, you know and Athena is the goddess of war and wisdom mm -hmm. and so it sort of all came full circle from that perspective as well right there was meaning for them and meaning for mm -hmm. us mm -hmm. yeah so tell me about uh, your, your 15 years or so into, mm -hmm. into Oregon wine mm -hmm. now. Tell me about, uh, you, we talked a little bit earlier about how your kind of impressions had changed mm -hmm. of the industry. Tell me a little bit more about what you think Oregon wine looks like right now, end of 2019, and, and maybe where you see it as you look a decade down the road. Mm -hmm. um, well, you're probably better place because you're on the yeah. boards and committees. Well, you know, I think, um, I think there's there seems to be you know um, less smaller players and there's you know more there's bigger operations coming in um, you know within our own AVA um, you know that's you know that's very obvious mm -hmm. um, I think in general that just makes everyone up their game mm -hmm. and um, I think it, it, it's it's not just that, but then everything that comes with it, right? Um, you know, you have more restaurants, you have more hotels, you have more, you know, there's this whole industry that continues to grow. Um, I, I think from, a, from an industry perspective, it'll be really interesting to see how um, that growth can be sustained, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, because there are finite resources as well, mm -hmm. you know, not just the land, but water, you know, is an important resource. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm, I serve in the conservation district as well, and I know that is a big concern. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Anything having to do with agriculture, right? But um, so I think that's, well, that's climate water, mm -hmm. those, those are all challenges that we're going to face as our industry continues to grow. You're getting this on camera. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> hey, no, I'm a true, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a distraction. Hey, no, I'm a true professional here. I just roll with it. <laughs> I'm being distracted by it, you know? I'm like, anxious. It's all the catnip in my pockets. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting. I think that it'll be bigger and mm -hmm. we're going to have more wineries yeah. and it's inevitable, right? And I think we're going to have more tourists as well because that's what we want. You know, we want people to come to um, be able to experience um, the, the beauty of the area as well as the beautiful wines. Mm -hmm. But it's going to come with many challenges as well, mm -hmm. you know, it's again, it's the land, the, the, our resources like water, but also the need for um, keeping this bucolic, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. agricultural landscape. That is one of the main draws. And I don't think we can take that for granted. And that's why I started getting involved mm -hmm. with the conservation district, mm -hmm. because I think it's really important for us to protect that. So, 
Yeah, I, I think so, we're going to have to balance the growth of the industry with those right. needs. It is, it is a tough balance because you have um, the joy that people have coming here is because it's, it's um, uh, such a beautiful countryside uh, uh, area and it's, you know, you meet when you visit wineries, I mean less so than you did 15 years ago, but you would meet, you know, virtually every time you'd meet owners or people mm -hmm. involved with the business and what have you. Um, winemakers and 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 uh, directly pouring their wine all the time, mm -hmm. and and now that's evolving to be more um, tasting room based experiences and what mm -hmm. have you, and and that's just the evolution of a of a wine area, I think. And you know, you look at you look at places like um, Napa Sonoma and so on, and that and that's to extend to our our future. You have to imagine that's going to be the case, just because that's where the money from the bigger businesses is going to drive it. Um, you know, we. Uh, will continue, as Samantha says, to to do the the mom and pop show, if you like, of, mm -hmm. of having our face and our presence being a very key part of the experience here, mm -hmm. and having this site and the wine from this site as being part of that experience. And I think a few other uh, uh, wineries and colleagues in this area have the same philosophy. Mm -hmm. And so I think there'll be there'll be a mix um, going forward. There'll be you know the bigger businesses with um, with the beautiful tasting rooms and the great wines and what have you um, uh, evolve in that style and I hope there'll be a balance as well because um, that's I think what will make it work yeah. because if you're a visitor you can you know if you're visiting two or three wineries in a day you can do a combination a, a couple of one and one mm -hmm. or the other kind of thing and, and see a bit of a, the variability and this yeah. is for me it's what's interesting about this area is that you have anything from a few hundred cases to mm -hmm. tens of thousands of cases of production mm -hmm. um, and um, uh, you know, we all uh, work together to make the the, the AVA and the, and the Valley a, a, a better place in the in the right mm -hmm. way that we're talking about here. But it's going to be tough. Resources run down, run through, right? Mm -hmm. And different people have different opinions at different yeah. times. So we have to work together to make it work. Yeah, I mean the the other thing that I would say, right, that I would hope, and I feel that it's still there. I think. Obviously, there's a lot more competition today, but I think it still is a friendly competition. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that we are all still, I mean, we have colleagues in this industry that are great friends, you know, mm -hmm. and they, and there are competitors, but at the same time, I think that we can all work together to keep advancing. Right. Yeah, the general philosophy yeah. is, that, is that Oregon wine is such a small percentage, just the American exactly. wine market, mm -hmm. the international yeah. wine market. That whatever we can do to make our wines better, better known, mm -hmm. have, have better customer appreciation, mm -hmm. helps everyone at the end of the day. And yeah. so, you know, that, that was all, has always been the philosophy of, of the leaders of, the, uh, of our AVA and of, the, um, of, um, uh, of that particular group. And, and that's something, you know, we've embraced and looked to help, help with as well. But it's, it's pretty unique when you come in and you see uh, people who are well established, um, like the leads of our AVA here, who offer their time um, and efforts and investment into back of the AVA for limited direct return. Mm -hmm. It really is most of that effort benefits small people like us, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we're just really indebted to that kind of thing. It's been amazing. Mm -hmm. well, I want to go back to something you mentioned mm -hmm. when you talked about kind of working, working Raptor Ridge and following for, mm -hmm. follow, catching the, the kind of winemaking bug. Tell me mm -hmm. about what it was about the act of winemaking that, that caught you and maybe something that, about winemaking that surprised you that you weren't prepared for. Um. If I say it, then you have to edit it out. <laughs> no, I think one of the things that really just captivated me, because um, I know you're tired, but it's sort of like um, doing punch downs was one of my favorite things. And it was just because of the evolution of the aromatics and then tasting, you know? It just, that sort of like, learning of, you know, how the grapes transform into the wine. It was just fascinating. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there, there were just little things, you know, like doing punch, punch downs at first vintage is really like one of the things that, um, you know, in a way sealed my fate just because I was so in love with the perfume of these wines. But then the other thing was 
once we had pressed the wines we were getting ready to barrel it was that intoxicating experience of barreling down you know the fresh wine you know the baby wine into the new barrels that had just been steamed so you have that beautiful aroma of the oak married with the wine that is just coming in oh my gosh that's just like one of my favorite things yeah mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. and that yeah so the, it, those it was all yeah. over at that point it, it was it just over. yeah it's just really i think yeah and you know that it's just, interesting that we we and we because i had more experience experience some more uh, relationships with the wine parts yeah, of the world right. when we first came here and it was originally you know, the, 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 the vineyard thing was originally my dream. The, there was a natural thought that I'd get more involved to start with. Um, but actually thinking about it, it's, it's, it makes more sense that Semena ended up doing it. I mean, it happened just more by happenstance yeah. than, than direction. But, you know, Semena's um, uh, uh, abilities really match the, the winemaking um, needs in terms of you know there's uh, Samantha has her memory is remarkable um, uh, the but she has you know a good um, understanding of um, how things work together from a um, from a chemistry perspective in terms of whether it's making food or making wine those things have similarities of and just the thought process of how everything evolves through that um, through that process but so you, memory and uh, an understanding of the science, an understanding of, of how things meld together as an artist. Mm -hmm. Those three aspects are, are, are strength that she has, he, which, you know. He makes it sound like I really understand the science. <laughs> to <laughs> you do, because you do, you the science to this and day. helps you make decisions, I, I, right? Yeah. But the reality is that... With a lot of help, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's... It, um, so that, you know, it makes a lot of sense that, that um, she's evolved in that position and that's why you know with the help of the likes of <coughs> excuse me scott and sharon and people of raptor ridge the wine ends up being pretty damn good mm -hmm. you know so yeah but like i just think it's a continual learning experience yeah. mm -hmm. really yeah and so i think every year you know the first vintage the first year that we had harvest here my mother was here and I remember I was so nervous, the anticipation, picking at the right time, you know? Mm -hmm. And she was like, you need to calm down. Like, I felt like I was having a, was another baby. That was my mom telling me. And, but every year, I have that same sort of, like, anticipation, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. It's just, like, so exciting um, that we're going to be picking our grapes. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's just, yeah. So, I get it. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> So you talked a little bit earlier about sort of potential future thoughts for mm -hmm. the two of you and for Atticus. Tell me what you, what you kind of hope Atticus Wines looks like uh, 10 years down the road. What do you, what do you, where do you hope to be? Well, <clears throat> perhaps at that time we will already maybe be at the thousand case target, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think our view would be to, um, you know, build a, uh, a barn, you know, slash potentially a winery, mm -hmm. um, you know, where we would move our production. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that, you know, it would, it would be very similar. Maybe we will plant another couple of acres on the north side. We've talked about doing that, sort of hedge our beds with the climate mm -hmm. and maybe have, you know, a different palette to add to our wines, mm -hmm. right? Because we believe that the north facing um, vines would produce slightly different, mm -hmm. um, you know, profile. Um, but I, you would still get that very much family experience and, you know, very personal touch. Um, because even if we do um, build the kind of barn that I have in my head, to be able to, um, you know, have. Um, more space for our wine club, which has kept growing, mm -hmm. um, we, we would still do private seated tastings, mm -hmm. you know? So I, not a lot would change, it's just we, we want to find a way to scale what we do, but still with that very personal touch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I mean... 
Yes, and the ten-year horizon is is a constantly shifting one. So if you ask five years, you're giving me the same answer. Um, you know, it's like, oh, I'll be retired by then from my job. I'll be helping out, you know, some staff. Everything moves with the time. Yeah, um, but I think in ten years' time, he'll be down, up and down the rows with his tractor. Yeah, that's always the yeah. problem. Yes, the yes. tractor and me. That's the yeah. tractor vision. That's, yeah. <laughs> Which has been, you know, that's been that's been five or ten years away for the last fifteen years. <laughs> that tractor vision is very prevalent in the industry. There's a lot of people with that vision. But the reality is that, my, that the pragmatism has has come into play, and, and I I understand that you know uh, Daniel's team is way better with a tractor than I'll ever be, um, and so I'm not sure that you know uh, taking that path would necessarily be. Um, a viable one on that basis. So I probably have better things I can do with my time. Um, but you know, there's 50 acres to manage here, and there's, there's always things I can mm -hmm. be doing around here. And if we do have some other building to, you know, as a tasting or something, um, then there's work to do there. And that, that's what, no, I, and I, I really enjoy doing um, customer facing stuff as well mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, helping out here in terms of tastings here, or when we do the AVA tastings up at the various different places we do them these days, okay. that's a lot of fun. So people who haven't tasted our wine before. The ladies like his accent. <laughs> um, well, so, not only the ladies, but just in general. Um, but uh, no, I think that's always a lot of fun. When, when I say, hey, have you, have you tried our wine before? And they go, no, I go, I feel great. Here's someone who doesn't know our wine. I can introduce them to the story and, the, mm -hmm. and us and, and our wine. And, and you know, that's great. That's a lot of fun as well. So. Okay. And speaking of small, I mean, those, those AVA tastings are now yeah. big events, right? But the first one yeah. of those was up at Anime eight years ago, nine years ago. I yeah. don't know what it was. But there in like, their tasting room, and maybe yeah, there were there like was, 10, 12 wineries. Yeah, that was it. There was, I remember Jay uh, Mack was there, um, and a couple of others, um, Ashley Campion, I can't remember who she was pouring for, but there were a few of us there. and. Maybe 50 people came through the door. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, a lot of people. And um, and it was like two or three hours. And there was just a table each, like a, a dozen tables. That was mm -hmm. it. And then we sat outside and had a beer afterwards and went home. That was it. You know, it was, uh, and things have evolved. Things have changed. <laughs> but you, know, you have to do those first ones before they can become what they are today. So, in, you know, and that's, that's it, it's the same in everything. You, know, you need to start and try it out and build and build and build. Mm -hmm. And that's what this—that's uh, what yeah. we've seen from from this ABA. So it'll be—it's uh, yeah. evolved in the right kind of directions and, and to do great things. And we'll see how it goes from here. Yeah, but within the ten years, also, I think um, we have talked about having more of a plan for the whole property mm -hmm. and doing other things. Yeah. You know, we want yeah. to—we have a small woodland here that we want to ensure that is sustainable and that. You know, so Woodland's a nice way of saying overgrown Christmas tree Yes. <laughs> well, there's a few oaks in there as well. True. And um, so we want to, you know, we, we need to put a program in place so that we can manage that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We want to have some, some animals as well. Mm -hmm. um, and more we, oaks generally. Yeah, yeah. We want to plant more oaks, you know, bring some of those native, you know, Oregon oaks. Um, our neighbors, um, so they, they bring longhorns, you mm -hmm. know, every spring, they just brought them again. So we would love yeah. potentially to have some longhorns as well. Mm -hmm. And just, you know. Well, um, I was advised we needed um, highland cattle. Yeah. I know, prefer the longhorns, yes. <laughs> yes. So there are different things that we want to do holistically. Mm -hmm. um, and always just looking at what can we do to our property, not just the vineyard, mm -hmm. to just make it even better for the future, you know? So I'm, I'm excited about that as well. And that, that's the kind of time frame that we'll find out whether our kids are vaguely interested or not yeah. as well. So that'll be, a, you know, at that point, where we, where we're, where if we see interest or not, we'll obviously be kind of binary on what we do going what forward next from steps. So, mm -hmm. obviously, yeah. Right. So, last question I have for you. Uh, this is the most important one of all. Uh, what's the key to a successful marriage in the Oregon wine industry? How does this work? How does this work? <laughs> well, I think, you know, I'll, from my perspective, um, and I don't know if it's maybe because I am Latin, but I am 
more temperamental and more emotional about things. <laughs> and so, like, this journey has been more of a roller coaster for me. Mm -hmm. And many times when our kids were small and I was still working in the corporate world, there were times in which, like, there was, a, you know, I felt very overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, wh what did we get into? Even though I love what we're doing, like, how can, how can I possibly do this? And Guy has always been the anchor, mm -hmm. you know? He, I really feel that. And so all my, you know, all my worries, you know, he was often the one who would be able to appease them. So in many ways, he, he yeah. He, he, he brought a lot more, um, I guess, stability, mm -hmm. you know, to that, um, to that. And, but yeah, I mean, I can't lie. It's been like sometimes, yeah, there's been interesting situations. I um, mean, this week's been tough, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, weeks yeah. are, some weeks are tough, right? Yeah. But it, I think it's true. We, we are each other's rock from that perspective because we have, uh, we have different, strengths and weaknesses and we're aware of those and, and um, you know when, when one of us is struggling the other one can normally step up and be good mm -hmm. uh, because that's where they're strong in um, so that's kind of helpful because um, we are pretty different you know in mm -hmm. terms of you know being British and French and, and some of those traits and, and Samantha being latin and having some of those traits I'd say <laughs> um, you know the and, and there's positives and, and negatives about both of those and, and that and that kind of balances out so you know but I think the um, uh, the real uh, truth for us is is goes back to that uh, fact about um, we feel as though we're in the right place for us mm -hmm. you know for our lives mm -hmm. and so whatever else is going on whatever else is you know whatever whatever difficulties or issues we're, we're working through uh, we feel the underlying decisions we've made to be here doing what we do and the big decisions about how, you know, what we're trying to achieve for us, mm -hmm. for our kids, mm -hmm. uh, for the land, are the right ones. And yeah. so whatever the day-to-day -day stuff is that's in the way that's, that's problematic or, you know, time-consuming or frustrating, whatever it is, are underlying decisions we're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot yeah. about those yeah. big decisions yeah. and uh, we're aligned on those. Yeah. So that's the important thing. And even though we may not officially, you know, review and change our business plan every year, we do like talk about it. Well, we do. Yeah, when was the last time? Well, I walked you through it the other oh, day. This is fine, like I do at work. Yeah, well, yeah, it's more informal, <laughs> but I think it's key. But little things, you know, like I talked to you about, like when we were managing, you know, time in a tasting room down in Carlton, that was super stressful. It was stressful in our relationship, it was stressful in the family, and it wasn't working, you know? And so it's like, okay, we need to do things differently. We always said we were going to have fun doing this. And so. I think communication is key. That's the bottom line, is that you're right. It's, it's like we talked before about doing the best we possibly can. That's, that's something we both need to do in everything we do, mm -hmm. right? Um, uh, not cutting corners. So, that, so having that uh, concept when we're making the wine is only possible within the parameters of that smaller business that we talked about. Mm -hmm. and, then, um, and then doing, you know, cutting off the stuff that we don't enjoy. Yeah, right. I mean that making it making it about yeah. you know like last weekend we had a, a a tasting here and it's a lot of fun mm -hmm. you know it's I know it's like oh it's got to get we get the house prepared get it all sorted out because it's our home and we're gonna get it clean and ready and get all the glasses out and blah, blah, blah. and that's like preparation and you know you might be happier doing something else but as as people arrive it's pretty cool you yeah, know some really fun. interesting conversations yeah. new people. You know, along with some yeah. some older, uh, or some yeah. some people who've been here before, and so on. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think we've learned through time, and it's not just through the time being in the business, but it's just you know, as you get older, you understand what your limits are, where you're good at, where you want to spend your time, and so I think that's really important: is trying to be honest to yourself, you know. And, and we haven't succeeded yet. That's the other thing. In the same way they were asking us about, you know, winemaking, um, we 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 we're this far in the journey, and we have yeah. the rest of it to go. So we have, 
you know, we're not successful until, until you know, one of us pops our clogs and we're done. But, um, well, you know, we have to... You could call still, it differently, right? It's like there's many successes along the way. No, I hear you. What right? I'm saying is like, you know, um, you success so far, but then you, I don't think you're successful until, until you've, you've done a whole yeah. lifetime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an ongoing thing. Yes. Very clear watching you interact how it, how it works too. So I, I, I get it. I get it. I think everyone watching this will, will yes, get it. <laughs> so that's all the questions that I have for you. Is there anything I didn't ask that I should have asked? Anything we didn't cover that we should have covered? Anything yeah. else you'd like to say here? This. I don't have anything else to add. It's been a fun. It's been a fun journey, and it continues to be. Yeah. 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 Thank, you. Well, yeah thank, thank you. Thank you both so much. We really appreciate your time today, your, sto your stories, and uh, we'll go ahead and uh, let you off the hook here. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield College. The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. And a special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.